0: bob going come on now can you top this nate
1: no i can't i can <laughs> never top your dancing lord
0: <laughs> i don't know i think anybody can top that room uh, that was interesting i don't know what oh. got into me the holy spirit i don't know so yeah <laughs> All right. Well, howdy and good morning, everyone. Welcome to another morning. edition of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, your favorite pro-life morning show. Once again, I'm Lauren Muzica, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life.
1: And I'm Nate Robertson, Vice President of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And again, it is such a great joy for us to join with you each and every Friday as we talk about what's going on in the pro-life world and how we can be instrumental in changing hearts and minds on this most important issue of our times, the cause of life.
0: That's right. If you're joining us for the first time, here's what you can expect. A little bit of prayer, a big headline. We're going to get to that here in just a second. Uh, Stories, a special interview, tips, more prayer. We have a devotional at the end of the show. It is all right here, folks, and we are so excited to serve you each and every Friday morning. So once again, we're here every Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Facebook Live as well as YouTube. So we're on those two channels live. And then later, our show gets posted to wherever you get podcasts. All right. So we are into the new year. I don't know about you, Nate, but I've written out the date a couple of times and had to check myself. Yep. We're not in 2023 anymore. 2024. I literally wrote a check to somebody yesterday um, and I had to change my three to a four. So my brain is still switching over. Right. But we are on the brink of the annual March for Life. So we're going to be in cold, right. cold, cold Washington, D.C. next week. Nate is going to bring three parkas because he's a baby and lives in That's Orlando right. Florida in for world. a reason. Um But we're going to be marching with everybody in Memorial to the Unborn and also marching for victory. So this is exciting. Uh, I think the big question when the Dobbs decision was handed down is – is the March for Life going to continue? And the really short, fast answer to that is yes. Uh, the March for Life, March for Life National, says that they are going to keep this event. And I think rightly so. You know, this has been a really precious, important event for so many people. Now. In June, we're joining forces with uh, Students for Life, 40 Days for Life, Pro Love Ministries, and then there were none, and us at Sidewalk Advocates for Life to mark the anniversary of the Dobbs decision. We're going to be back in Washington, D.C. for a Celebrate Life conference weekend, as well as a rally at the Lincoln Memorial that Saturday morning and a gala that evening. Anyways, more information is going to be coming out about that soon. But we just kind of wanted to give you a heads up on that. Next week, we will be at the March for Life. So if you're going to be there, come find us because we have a booth at the Expo. We're going to the Law of Life Summit. We'll be doing some interviews. We'll be at the Pro-Life Summit sponsored by Students for Life of America uh, that weekend. So anyways, lots of exciting things, right, Nate? Really good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be
1: great. It's always a great time. So I hope to see you there.
0: We'd love to see you. We'd love to hang out. We'd love to have a drink with you and hear about what's going on in your pro-life world and how we can best serve you. So Excitement. All right. Well, how about we get rolling? We've got a really exciting show, uh, a really unique interview today. You'll see it when we or hear it, I guess. (laughs) See it, hear it when we get to the actual segment. Uh, Before we go any further, how about we start off with a word of prayer? Ready, Nate?
1: Sounds good. Let's pray. Filler, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together again this Friday. We're just so grateful for all that you are doing and how you are leading and directing us and all of those across the pro love pro-life movement as we continue to um, really be problem solvers and um, be those who are there to help women and, and men in a time of need and and really beyond that time. God, we're just so grateful for all that you are um, helping us to accomplish. We're so grateful for all of the victories. And we just ask that you would continue to guide us um, as we move forward. Um, we're so grateful for all of the sidewalk advocates who are involved with um, their local teams across America as we continue to grow and make sure that there is someone outside of abortion and abortion referral facility every hour of business. So we're, th- we're thankful for the many miracles that we have seen, and we are expectant of many more miracles in the days ahead. We pray that you continue to protect us as um, many people are on the sidewalk this morning and throughout this weekend, and that you would continue to get all the glory for all the great things that you are doing. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. All right. If you are new to the show, we always start off with a big headline. So here's what's going on in the Pro-Life Pro-Family world. The headline is, Supreme Court allows Idaho abortion ban to be enacted, the first such ruling since Dobbs, since the Dobbs abortion decision overturning Roe v. Wade. So the U.S. Supreme Court recently allowed Idaho's abortion ban to go into effect for now and agreed to hear an appeal in the case scheduling arguments for April. This is why this is so significant. The court's order is the first time it has weighed in on a state's criminal law banning abortion since the high court's 2022 decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Idaho has been a leader of state efforts to protect life. Its, quote, of Life Act would make it a crime for every person who performs or attempts to perform an abortion. Under the Idaho law, the only exception to the ban is when abortion is necessary to prevent the death of the pregnant woman. In August 2022, the Biden administration successfully sued to block the law. The lower court agreed. That decision was briefly overturned by a three-panel judge of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals comprised of all Trump appointees. But the full Ninth Circuit quickly reversed that ruling and kept Idaho's law on ice until the Ninth Circuit decides the case. So. Recently, the Supreme Court intervened to allow Idaho's abortion ban to take effect and agreed to hear an appeal in April. The order could have widespread effects, empowering other states to pass more stringent laws on abortion. So we wanted to highlight this for all of you because this is significant in that, uh, as, as we said here in the report, This is the first time that the Supreme Court has weighed in on something like this since the the monumental Dobbs decision in June of 2022. Um, We have a lot of state laws that have been going back and forth, back and forth. The Supreme Court agreed to review this one, and they looked at it and said, yep, this is allowed to go into effect while uh, we wait to hear the greater case. And so this could encourage other pro-life states to follow suit. Um, So we applaud Idaho for protecting life, for standing strong. You know, it's been tough here in post-Roe America, as we've highlighted multiple times here on the show. You know, it can be tough to be in a state where you think that you are, you've you've passed something that will protect life. You know, the state that's coming to mind right now actually is Utah. Um, Utah, you know, is a pro-life state. They passed a pro-life law, and they are still waiting to hear from their state Supreme Court as far as what the decision is. In other states, it's like whiplash, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. In other states, we've had ballot initiatives. That have really largely confused the populace and you've even got Christian women walking into a voting booth and voting for abortion until the point of birth on demand because, you know, maybe all these other things got lumped in with that particular uh, provision and they, they didn't know what they were actually voting for. And this is true story. I mean, we're hearing this from the ground, from our colleagues who are actually talking to people and knocking on doors, right? And so post-Row America has been, <laughs> Quite a journey, you know, a smattering of of different things going on in our various states. Uh, We've got um, a a good chunk of the states that protect life, but obviously we have uh, some more ground to gain here. And we're just elated that Idaho is permitted uh, as it should be as a state, to protect life. That is the prerogative of a state, and so Idaho is sitting in a good place right now, and we pray that it'll be a final deal uh, once the Supreme Court hears the the case this year uh, in full. So, Nate, your thoughts on the great state of Idaho this morning? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a couple things. Um
1: That was a great recap, Lauren, um, but, you know, I think, first of all, we always have to pause and just to be so grateful and celebrate yeah. that Roe vs. Wade is gone. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I know I mean, it's Wade, made so. things really yeah. tricky. It's made things very um, difficult in some states. There's a lot of back and forth, like you were talking about. But Roe vs. Wade has been overturned. We're almost, you know, we're a year and a half um, past that decision. What an incredible, just you know, decision to again highlight. Now, I think to Idaho, it is so important that in this era of the Dobbs decision, that states are allowed to protect life the way that their duly elected officials and their courts, you know, are, are seeing fit based on their constitution. And yeah. so it is really important that in this era we are seeing that happen. And it's very significant that this is the first time that the, that the Supreme Court has directly weighed in on a state protecting life. I think that it, it based on the way that they wrote the Dobbs decision, the decision that they have made temporarily in Idaho is the only decision they could make because if they had made another decision, they would have been going back on exactly what they wrote in Dobbs. What they wrote in Dobbs was that states were permitted, that states had the right to protect life um, or to, you know, allow abortion to be available. So this is definitely um, from what we can tell the right decision at this juncture for the Supreme court of the United States to make in reference to Idaho We are grateful that Idaho is taking such a strong step in protecting all life. And we urge other states to continue to protect life at all stages of development.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting to look at the post row map with where Idaho is located. It's in effect surrounded, I mean, mostly surrounded by pro-abortion states. And so, you know, it's almost like I want to give Idaho a big pat on the back and a big thumbs up and say, you know, thank you for standing strong. No doubt. There's a lot of -of salt-of-the-earth people that are there in that great state, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, ultimately how the Supreme Court uh, rules in this case, gives a final ruling. So we'll keep vigil for that, and we'll look forward to uh, what we believe will be good news coming down the pike. So, Stay tuned. Right. right. Okay, it is time now for Victory Story. So, Nate, that's you this week. What you got for us?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, Laura. So this week I wanted to highlight a few different stories that come to us from the state of Florida, um, a little bit further south than where I am. And what I want to highlight today is the power of our Spanish speaking sidewalk advocates being on the sidewalk. Um, Recently, at one of our locations here in the state of Florida, there was a situation where a sidewalk advocate who was able to um, you know, talk to this young couple in Spanish was able to have a, a little bit of a longer conversation with them that resulted in them going to the Privacy Resource Center and them choosing life for their child. But what our leader relayed that I think is just so important is that this would not have happened if it had not been for a spanish speaking sidewalk advocate being available and being on the sidewalk that morning you know it's so important that we work as best as we can to have sidewalk advocates available on the sidewalk who can help in different situations this is why we encourage people of all of all types of all you know backgrounds to be on the sidewalk so that they can be ready to help when there is a woman or a young couple that shows up that is maybe from their background or part of their their culture or, or speaks their language. And this was such a critical opportunity and example of how important, especially in communities that have a lot of Spanish speakers, that we have Spanish-speaking sidewalk advocates on the sidewalk. This also is just a, a good time to highlight that we do have our sidewalk advocates training um, translated into Spanish, And that is something that you can offer. If you're one of our local leaders, we'd love to encourage you to offer the Spanish training. And also, I wanted to highlight that at this same location, the power of understanding that there are women who show up to abortion appointments, who leave those abortion appointments, and we don't know the outcome. We we typically call those hopefuls. When women show up they, they don't go in to the facility. They sit in their car. Maybe they go in briefly and then come back out. But a couple of these hopefuls recently at this same location were young ladies who came, drove into the, the parking of the facility, sat in their car for several minutes and then left. Some of them rolling down their window and saying that they've decided not to do it. Some of them asking, you know, questions, not quite ready to go to the pregnancy resource center but willing to leave after showing up for an abortion appointment and willing to even have a short conversation. So today, my victory story really is highlighting the power of Spanish-speaking sidewalk advocates and the opportunity that they have to be a part of helping to save lives because of being able to speak the language, as well as the power of our presence and us being able and willing to talk with those who come for abortion appointments and then begin to leave. And even if they don't give us a, a solid decision for life, being able to plant seeds of life with them and acknowledge that they would be considered hopefuls as they're leaving the facility without having an abortion. So there you go. My victory story today.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Nate. Um, yeah, hopeful saves. That's actually probably a greater discussion on one of our futures shows you know, this this idea that we meet people sometimes on the sidewalk who are in that valley of decision and they're not quite ready to make a full decision, a full commitment to life, right? And but like you said so aptly, like being able to step into that space and speak words of, of peace and hope into their circumstances and to cover them in prayer as they leave the facility and they're still really tossing and turning, so to speak, over this decision, we have seen so many hopefuls become saves because sidewalk advocates don't give up on them. They pray for them. They continue to pour into them, right? I know that's that's been the case for us, too, Nate, where we've continued to text a mom or be there for her. And we're so grateful for our, our sidewalk advocates who, in effect, serve as language partners on the sidewalk. I know Linda on our team has taken so many calls from sidewalk advocates who are interfacing with a mom who only speaks Spanish and they don't speak Spanish. And so Linda has been able to talk to them through the phone and either translate what the advocate is saying or, or just, you know, wholly talk to her herself. And that has yielded so many lives saved. And so every, every little thing matters on the sidewalk. Every little bit counts, right? Beautiful. That's right. Thank you. Okay. Well, I have the tip this week and my tip has to do with starting with a smile. So I actually did a post on my uh, Instagram account yesterday. Um, So if you go to Instagram.com slash Lauren R. so that's my professional account, uh, feel free to follow there uh, or just pull up the post a little bit later and read a little bit more. But, uh, and again, I'll say that again, Instagram.com slash Lauren R. for Rose Musica. Me standing there in a blue shirt with a big smile. So the way that I started off this post is with a with really a question that a lot of people ask me. How do you start a conversation at an abortion facility with a mother headed inside? And my first answer to that always is with a smile, very simply with a smile. And it can feel so co- contradictory to smile at an abortion facility, right? I mean, you'll quickly learn that it is the saddest place on earth. And we hear all this rhetoric in the culture about how women feel empowered and excited and relieved that they have this choice. And I will tell you that in the 22 years, actually longer than that now, um, more than 22 years that I have been standing outside of America's abortion and abortion referral facilities, there is nobody going into that building at least exhibiting those feelings. Nobody is skipping out after their abortion going, yay, I'm relieved of this burden. People are sad, and they know somewhere deep inside that this is wrong, but they don't know what else to do, and yet this is where the opportunity is, and we know that we are a sidewalk advocate, sinner saved by a God who chased us down with his great love, right? We are imperfect people that meet other imperfect people on the sidewalk, and yet we are equipped and so full of joy because of Christ, and it really is our great joy to let her know of his love, hope, and peace, and so we get this beautiful time, you know, on the sidewalk, to remind her that she is not alone, that her community is ready to go to bat for her and her family with real hope, help options and resources, that we're going to make sure she has everything that she needs so that she doesn't feel like out of a moment of desperation she has to take the life of her precious child. And so we make that valiant offer of help and that spirit. And even should she choose abortion, yes, we do everything we can to encourage a decision for life, but should she choose abortion, we're going to be there to offer her his healing and his love still. Um, You know, our prayer is that every hurting soul walking into an abortion facility today is met by somebody on the sidewalk, somebody who is there to stand in the gap for them. But the whole process, everything starts with a smile. As Mother Teresa famously said, Peace begins with a smile. So we just want to encourage all of you that if you're going out to an abortion facility, abortion referral facility, you're a little intimidated, you know you're supposed to be there, maybe you don't know exactly what to say, you know, check out sidewalkadvocates.org. We would love to help you with some training. You can find a team near you on our locations tab. You can call them, contact them, figure out when the next training is, or you can start one yourself. Um, but just know this, that when you go out there, the most important thing that you can wear that morning is a smile, a smile. That's how you begin a conversation, and that will immediately let her know that you are a safe person, that you want to talk, and that you're there for her. There's so much that's communicated through our body language that's not always communicated through words, and that's the most um, precious way that you could even begin to start with a mother who's in crisis. So there you go.
1: So good. Love it. Great tip. Make yep. sure you smile.
0: Make sure you smile. There you go. All right. Now, as I smile, let me go ahead and introduce the next segment. So uh, we do this every once in a while so that you can get to know us, the folks who are yapping every Friday morning. We're going to do another session of Ask Nate and Lauren Anything. So instead of bringing on a third party here and having another guest interview like we did last week and we do most weeks. Uh, I'm going to interview Nate, and Nate is going to interview me. So we each get two questions. Uh, let's see here. Who's going to go first? What do you think, Nate? Do you want to ask? You want me to ask?
1: Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Lauren.
0: Okay. So, Nate, how did you give us at least the the, the short, concise version? Because I'm sure there's more to the story. But how did you ask Kristen to marry you?
1: Well, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> so, um, you know, the the short version with just a tad extra is that when Kristen and I started dating um, at, at Christmas of 2005 is when we started dating. When we started dating, we kind of started dating with the expectation we would get married. We mm-hmm. weren't really interested in dating just to date. So we were pretty confident that this would lead to marriage. But, of course, it wasn't quite time. So then fast forward. About a year, about a year and a half um, to March of 2007, Um, we lived um, in the Spartanburg, South Carolina area, and um, that's where she had grown up, and I was living there as well, and um, in Greenville, South Carolina, is just a a really beautiful downtown with a really, um, like, great park that has a river running through it called um, Reedy, I think it's called the Reedy River um, right there in Greenville. And so we went down to the river, and I proposed to her on the rocks in the midst of the river. So.
0: Oh, sometimes. that's a good story. Way to go. Yeah. Way to go. Right. I never tire of hearing good proposal stories. Uh, <laughs> my friend Nan, my sister from another mother, she asked that question so many times, like when she meets a couple. She's like, how did you guys get engaged? You know, she loves yeah. those stories, It's like a modern-day Hallmark moment. So. That's right. Yeah. That's All right. Great. I'm bracing okay, myself. So,
1: yeah. So your first one, Lauren, is so how did you become a dog person? You have to tell the people they want to know and tell us about your dogs.
0: Oh, that's a great question. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I grew up with German shepherds. My parents, for some reason, even though they hadn't grown up with animals themselves, uh, they were always animal lovers Well, my mom grew up with cats, but anyways, that's a whole other story. So uh, when I was little, my parents decided that they loved German Shepherds and that they even wanted to breed German Shepherds. And sometimes breeders these days can get a bad rap. I was always um, really impressed with how they did it, right? Uh, They went ahead and had like three different litters of German Shepherd puppies And I mean, literally, when these puppies were born, they took one of the rooms in our house, and they built out this this little kind of (laughs) dog hut for Mama as she was nursing the babies. And so I have memories of, oh, my gosh, the puppies were born in the middle of the night last night, you know, and you can go open the door and peek inside. And my brother and I, I have a younger brother that didn't come along until a little bit later, but I have two brothers, but so my brother Ryan and I mostly grew up together, and when, you know, we were not allowed to go in the puppy room when the puppies were really, really little. But when they got big enough, then they got moved out to the backyard, at least part of the time. And so I have these beautiful memories of coming home from school and going out to the backyard and having like eight German Shepherd puppies chasing me around the the backyard, right? And at any given time, we had two or three grown German Shepherds in the backyard. So I just fell in love with dogs. I grew up with them. They're so, they were just so cute. You know, and German Shepherd puppies, when they're born, their ears are down and then they gradually go up. And so you'd have like little puppies with one ear up and one ear down. And, you know, and I remember one of the litters, my parents said, okay, uh you, Lauren, you can pick one out. You can pick out which puppy is yours. And I picked out, like, the runt of the litter. She ended up growing up to be the biggest dog. Her ears came up first. I was so excited that my puppy won the ear competition, right? So, anyways, I have all these cute, precious memories. We even showed them in the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo and all of that. They had dog shows. Um, so, fast forward until I got married. At first, Peter and I got a cat, and I thought that that was fun. I'd had a couple cats later in, in high school. Um, and then when we decided to get a puppy – it's like as soon as we got Porter um so we 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 didn't go after the purebred dog this time we went after rescue dogs right the mutts that that need a home um as soon as we got Porter I just fell in love it's like all of that childhood you know goodness just kind of rose to the surface and I realized oh my gosh I am such a dog person so uh, we went on to adopt two more dogs. So we have Porter Dunkel Barley. Um, Porter is the 85-pound alpha pups. Um, he gets so excited he runs into walls. He's a Border Collie Aussie Lab Mix. Um, we have to go run him out at this thing called Doggy daycare. you know, goes and plays with dogs a couple times a week so he doesn't destroy my house. And then we've got, like, a 70-pound pit lab mix, and he's just a snuggle bug. Um, so that's Dunkle. And then we've got a about a 45-pound princess, a Basset mix. She is as stubborn as the breed uh, typically reports, and she sometimes doesn't want to eat or go outside or whatever, and I have to show her who the alpha is and grab her by the collar and throw her outside or something like that. Um, but she thinks I hung the moon because I'm the one that walked her actually out of the shelter when we left. And so I'm her favorite human. My hu- husband would even say that. So anyway, there you go. There, They're my three dogs, Porter, and Uncle Barley. They all are named after craft beer because my husband is a craft beer fanatic, and I was just happy to have a theme, uh, a list of names to pick from because it's just hard to pick, right? It's just hard to pick uh, dog names because you have like a million and a half that you could pick from. So there you go. More than you ever wanted to know. That's a dangerous question for me, but that's why I'm a dog person is I just fell back in love with them, childhood memories, but also because I, I truly believe they are walking epitomes of god's unconditional love like dogs don't keep score quite often they're generous and kind for the most part and you know they're just great creatures so there you go (laughs) that's
1: awesome i love it great great answer
0: okay i'm gonna ask you a more simple question um if you could only make one food item for the rest of your life (laughs) or even eat one food item for the rest of your life what would it be nate
1: Wow. One food item the rest of your life. I mean, it'd have to be something significant or it wouldn't um, bode well for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think what I would say is it would need to be a, it would need to be lasagna and this lasagna would need to have to have vegetables and meat and
0: cheese in it. So there you go. <laughs> That's actually a good answer because I think you mostly hit on all food groups. Uh, could you be convinced to do whole wheat lasagna so you? At least oh, get... sure. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that works. Look at nutritionist Lauren over here, like <laughs> making sure that you eat from every food group. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. a good choice. So lasagna with, I'm guessing meat like ground beef in it, right? And vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. I think that's that, smart.
1: that 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 sounds like a good. A good idea if we had to pick one. There you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Mother Teresa, when she was serving in the streets of Calcutta and serving people at the home of her dying, uh, they did – I think they mostly ate the same thing every single day. But it had rice in it, and it had some sort of of protein and vegetable in it or something. So she hit on all the food groups. I think she was pretty much eating the same thing every day because – I mean where they were it was so poor you know but they at sure. least had kind of a baseline meal so anyways that's what came to mind. Okay, yeah. uh I guess yeah. I get one more question, right?
1: You do. Yeah. Okay. So uh my last question is a little bit more of a serious question for you. Okay. So what would you say that is the greatest opportunity in 2024 for the pro life movement?
0: Oh man. Golly, that's one of the greatest because that'll be
1: really hard to pick the absolute greatest opportunity. But what's a great opportunity ahead of us this year?
0: Okay, so I do think uh, as a baseline, we need to watch these ballot initiatives that are going up in every state. I think the pro-abortion lobby thinks that they found the key to gradually making America pro-abortion. Um, these confusing provisions that are being put on our ballots in our various states. And so I think we're going to have to keep vigil for that. And what is our countermeasure going to be, whether we go ahead of them and help a state pass like a, a human life amendment to, you know, kind of block that particular action in the future. So that's going to really be something to watch for. I think otherwise kind of a more overarching thought is that. We just, and I don't have the perfect answer of this today. This is going to be the remedy that resolves the 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 bigger crisis that's in front of us. And it really has to do with the question of how we make abortion unthinkable in America, right? And I don't know, again, the perfect answer to that. I think that so many of us are hitting that from different angles. You know, it's definitely education, right? But what type of education is actually going to move the needle in the culture, Um, Or is it a matter of healing a lot of our population who has experienced abortion such that their heart is open to the greater message of life? Um, I know for us, it's making sure that we're in front of every uncovered abortion facility in America, and it's so much more than being just the last line of defense you know it's so much more than just kind of the last ditch effort to help people turn to life there's so much ministry that takes place in front of an abortion facility and a ripple effect that takes place from that interaction to her friends to her family and helping to build a culture of life um again that i hope people understand truly what sidewalk advocacy really is that it's not just hey you know this is kind of our our last ditch effort to to turn the the tide for that woman and family right so Anyways, we're kind of going to be working on every level here. It's a state-by-state battle right now, and, you know, can we work on that micro level in every state with kind of the greater understanding of where we're headed, that we are headed towards, for example, ratifying, you know, an amendment to the U.S. Constitution to protect life? You know, what is that end game going to be? Do we want a decision by the Supreme Court eventually that will grant – a recognized personhood for the unborn. And these are just really important questions that our organization and others like it are asking right now at this particular point in history. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully that's a sufficient answer, but that's great. <laughs> no, I think in, in our hearts. Right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Great answer. I think just really, really key thoughts. Right. About like, yeah. what does this year look like? What are we headed towards? How do we get there? How do we make abortion unthinkable? That's right. That's right. Thanks, Lauren.
0: All right. Well, I think we're, it's about time for us to wrap up now that we've done our interview segment. Devotional closing. Ready to close us out, Nate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Today I wanted to bring to you 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 and actually kind of goes into 14 as well. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and then 14 says, do everything in love. You know, I think it's just so important that we continue to keep ourselves focused on these um, concepts that are so clear in the scriptures. You know, Paul is telling us here to make sure that we are on our guard, that we stand firm in our faith, we are courageous, and that we continue to be strong. Such key principles that you know, are just as true today as they were when the words were written, you know, many, many, many years ago. And then then he goes right into saying in verse 14, do everything in love. So if we combine all that together, if we will, with love and in love, be on our guard, stand firm in our faith, be courageous and be strong, sounds pretty much to me like a winning recipe or a winning formula. So seeing our communities, our culture, our families, and all those around us changed and transformed. So today, I just want to encourage you to take some time, read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Go ahead and read all of chapter 16. Read some more of those chapters in 1 Corinthians if you have the time. Spend some time praying and meditating on these verses and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. and. And make them really come to life about what does that mean practically in your own life. That we would continue to always be on our guard, stand firm in our faith, be courageous, and be strong as we do all things in love. And with that in mind, if you would pray with me as we get ready to close out the show. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today. Thank you for the words of First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 that just remind us. That we need to stand firm. We need to make sure that our faith is properly placed in our lives. That we need to be courageous and be strong. And that as we do all of that, we should do it in love. God, I thank you for what you're doing across the Pro-Love, Pro-Life movement. As we continue to eliminate obstacles for women who find themselves in, in unexpected pregnancies where they are facing um, extreme challenge to continuing that pregnancy. Help us to continue to keep the focus on the women as we continue to strategize and be as effective as possible in reaching them while they're in need. Help us as a movement to also be helping um, women and families well beyond pregnancy to help them with the hand ups that they need to stabilize their life and to get on their feet so that we can build stronger families across our communities. Now we're so grateful for all that you have done, all that you are doing. We're so grateful to be able to travel to Washington DC next week and be a part of the March for Life. May we continue to be a symbol of hope, a symbol of victory, a symbol of the truth of life as we continue to move forward in working to protect all life. Now we're so grateful to be called by you. May you continue to bless all of those working in the pregnancy help organizations across America today and throughout this week. May you continue to show us miracles on sidewalks of abortion facilities all across America. We'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Nate great show everybody hope you enjoy getting to know us a little bit better we always enjoy being with you please join us next friday for another episode of wake up to life with lauren and nate 9 a.m eastern 8 a.m central on facebook live youtube as well as wherever you get podcasts we hope you have a great week everybody and if you're in washington dc next week stop by our booth at the expo we'd love to visit with you more all right talk to y'all soon have a good one bye